we're going to say no to some of the same things, guys, and on a couple of other things, I'm going to go, yeah, okay, and you're going to go, no, hell no. My question is not so much whether we say no, although probably on some things we need to, but how do we say it? Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, here today with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York. J.D. is unable to be with us this week. Something about a word of knowledge and a prophetic vision of thin cows <laughs> eating fat cows. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear it. We have the pleasure today of being joined by David Old, who is Senior Associate Minister at St. John's Anglican Cathedral. Is it Parramatta? Parramatta. It's based on the original um, Aboriginal word here, Parramatta, which means the, the river of the eels. Very yeah. cool. In Sydney, Australia, he sits on the Provincial Synod of New South Wales and the General Synod of the Anglican Church of Australia. David, welcome to the Stand Firm podcast. Uh, thank you very much uh, for having me. Actually, I don't think I'm on the Provincial Synod anymore. I think oh, that, really? That's, that's, you got to update that website. Ago, they shrank it down. Yeah, 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 I just need to update loads <laughs> of websites. But yes, General Synod makes up, makes up for that. It's more than enough fun. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but David has been writing for Stand Firm oh, yeah. for years. I mean, he's more, been, he's more been, standing firm yeah. than I have, for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah. So in its original format, uh, I, was, I, I wrote a, a lot more. Uh, and then the Anglican Church in Australia got really, really interesting. And I spent a lot more time writing about things here. But occasionally I I'll think, well, that'll really upset Americans. So I, I write and put it on, <laughs> on Stanford. You're one of those <laughs> Sydney people. You're... I am now. Yeah, um, so I, I should probably hear from, from my accent or the fact that I don't really have one. Um, I, I grew up in, in the United Kingdom and came over here almost 20, about 18 years ago now uh, to train at uh, more theological college, maybe get ordained, stay here for a couple of years. And instead, um, they just kept offering me jobs and I kept well, we, me and my wife kept producing children. So here we are now uh, with citizenship papers in and uh, a mortgage and, um, yeah, upsetting people here as well. It all sa- sounds the same to us. I mean, like Australian, <laughs> New Zealand, oh, it's just not American. So you're in such yeah. trouble. I'll just call you a yank, shall I? And then we'll see. We'll see how all the same it is. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we wanted to actually hear from you from the other side of the international dateline we're recording this on monday night it's tuesday morning for you is that right it is it is and the future's looking really good i'm um, here in the future the, the great facebook shutdown is over oh, okay <laughs> well praise god yes yeah well it's uh, australia's true the land of the blessed because we survived the great facebook shutdown by simply being asleep during it that's right <laughs> that's right well why don't you bring our listeners sort of up to speed with um, Australia and COVID. We're going to get to COVID and the church soon, sure. but you have to understand, as I'm sure you do, that what we what we see on social media of Australia and COVID is like the purge. It's like a dystopian yeah. hellscape. <laughs> What's it like on the ground, at least where you are? Um, so look, not half as bad as Tucker uh, wants to make out. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'm a I'm a, a natural born conservative, I think I, I lean that way instinctively. But some of the stuff that's been written about Australia um, and even said here, actually, I want to go has been really over the top. I think it's got far more to do with uh, politics filtering the way that people perceive things. That's not to say that there hasn't been some uh, poor stuff that's going on. But to understand Australia's uh, story of, of the last two years of COVID, I think what you've got to understand 
and it's really been a victim of its own success. So um, COVID, uh, Australia had the great advantage that when COVID really kicked in, and you remember that sort of February, March, when we were all really working out, oh, this is really serious. Um, the federal government just closed the international borders. Uh, some of the most draconian at the time uh, decisions uh, uh, that have ever been made anywhere. And you needed a permit, even as a citizen or a, or a permanent resident of Australia, you needed a permit to leave uh, on the basis that everybody that leaves wants to come back and, and they do because you know you, you go and see the rest of the world and you go oh stuff that i'm going back to australia uh so but they they, they basically closed it down uh, and what that did is it it prevented uh covid wreaking the havoc that it would have uh, um would have wrought uh and, and as we've clearly seen uh, elsewhere all the way around the world as well as that, then each individual state, and we're made up of a number of states and territories, we're, we're a commonwealth, we're a federation, uh, each of the individual states and territories then uh, worked out their own domestic policy. Uh, so there, was, there were at times a lot of border closing. So we had our first sort of real kick off the wave of the alpha strain, uh, and that came in, and, and we sort of that got settled down in our first uh, bit of lockdown, and we all got used to that. And then uh, essentially life opened up again. Uh, we had another little wave that hit around uh, Christmas last year and really messed up Christmas as a church uh, for us. Uh, and then again, life got back to normal. And then in June, uh, we had a one incident, and this actually tells you how damaging uh, the new Delta variant was. And we were hearing about Delta, especially at St. John's, where I'm uh, one of the ministers, because we've got a large Indian population. And we were hearing horror stories of what was going on in India at the time with the, with the Delta strain. I mean, I had one lady, for example, whose, whose brother uh, uh, died and, and within 24 hours of hospitalization, uh, he just fell sick and died. And then in another 24 hours, there was a funeral streamed online. Three people allowed to be present in the funeral parlor. So she watches her brother's funeral online on, on Zoom. You know, uh, just awful, awful situation uh, going on. And then we had a limo driver who was driving um, air staff from the... Um, from the airport to a hotel, as you know, has to happen, uh, but wasn't wearing a mask or PPE because the legislation uh, didn't require him to do because he was a subcontractor of a subcontractor. So it was a little loophole, uh, but carrying air staff. So you really thought he would have known better. Anyway, didn't wear it. Uh, and then went and walked around his local uh, area, of course, as you do. He's got, got a life. And within a week, it had erupted. Uh, and then it traveled across Sydney, which is a wide, sprawling metropolis. And it got to the west of Sydney, where I'm living, and uh, we're full of um, Mediterranean and Arabic uh, uh, background homes, lots and lots of people living in the same home together, lots of manual labors, lots of blue collar stuff going on. And uh, Delta exploded, at least it exploded in a, in a relative sense. So our peak numbers got to around 1,600 a day, uh, which was scary for us and enough to make the health services really, really worried uh, about um, the health service capacity, which has always been the, the question here. And we had some pretty harsh lockdown rules then uh, that came into effect um, at that point. And I say we're, we're a victim of our own success because we've had it so good for so long that, that the notion that this might get out of control now I think just really scared. It scared the government. It certainly scared the health service. And I, I, um, I know people who work in the health service, both on the ground and in management. And there was a genuine concern there about capacity uh, and, and the ability to cope with it. And so we've had some pretty draconian lockdown, even to the extent where 
in our LGAs, our local government areas, uh, uh, you couldn't leave the area. So we were, I, where I lived is actually was one of the, the absolute hotspot area. And, um, and for a while I wasn't allowed to, to leave the area. Uh, um, and we actually had to negotiate with the government to get some um, changes on that for me in particular as, a, as a, and all the other ministers as well. We can tell that story in a minute because I think it's an important one about the right methodology of getting exemptions uh, um, uh, pushed through. But um, it got pretty harsh. Uh, for a while. And what came alongside it was a huge government push on vaccinations. And again, vaccinations had been really kind of lazy up till then, no real urgency. And why would you? Because we basically controlled um, COVID. But when the Delta kicked in, the vaccination uh, um, thing just really pumped in. Uh, and so we had a report from some statisticians called the Doherty Report, which was modeling how COVID worked around the world and what would be the right levels of vaccination to open up. And so on the basis of that, uh, we've made some uh, clear guidelines, which is that at 70% double vaccination, we're going to open up a certain tier. And then at 80%, uh, we're going to have much more full opening. And then on the 1st of December, we're going to basically open up um, again, as we see vaccination have its effect as it, as it, as it clearly does. So we're, we're in that, we're, we're hurtling now towards opening up. Uh, and you can you can feel it around you. My gym is opening next Monday. I'm really uh, pleased <laughs> about that. I can only go if I'm double vaxxed. Uh, um, how do I prove that? Well, there's a big debate. Uh, um, but that's kind of where we're heading. We've got a new premier we're about to get in in New South Wales, who is, um, I would say, far more libertarian in thinking. He's likely to accelerate some of those opening um, up again. But we're just getting used to the idea that now we're going to have to be like everybody else. There's going to be another wave coming through, obviously, when things open up. But since most of us are now vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the meantime, uh, some people have been protesting. And uh, are, there, uh, are there protests legitimate? Well, that's the question. Uh, they're certainly not legal, uh, according to the public health orders that we've had in place in some states. Are there legitimate concerns? It, was there a better way to skin this cat? Uh, we know some of those scripts already. I'm sure they've been well run through in the United States. Uh, but that's where you've seen some of the uh, some of the footage that you've seen. And that, you've seen that particularly in Victoria, which is down south around, around Melbourne. Uh, they push back really, really hard. Uh, and we can probably talk a little bit about what's what's gone on there and um, how we've got to that point as well. But that's the basic story. Uh, and I would, the only thing I would urge caution on is Australia is not the United States. And I think the great um, danger I've seen in the last two months or so is I've watched Americans read American politics into Australia. Uh, and we're very different. Uh, and so probably that's going to be an interesting conversation to have through as well. That's your five minute summary. Gosh, I yeah, I mean, there's only about 18 questions that come to mind immediately, some of which well, are about the differences between the US and Australia, because I'm sure I'm sure that Crocodile Dundee was not the primer on Australian politics that I thought it was at the time. Well, you're in a church. How how is how is the church functioning through all this? Sure. So we we have basically been under the same restrictions as everybody else. So we have gone to live streaming or pre-recording a service for, for broadcast on a, on a Sunday morning because we're simply not allowed to gather uh, um, uh, people uh, together. Of course, there's been that whole debate about can the government stop uh, the church gathering together. The position we've taken is that, look, we're not being asked to do anything that nobody else is being asked to do. And it seems to us to be a sensible health precaution at this moment uh, to do that. So we've been pre-recording uh, and we've been sort of gently making plans 
for going getting back on site. For us, the big dilemma has been well, it was going to be um, at 80% and at the 70% levels, what can we do? At the 70% levels, which we're about to hit this week, uh, the rule is that um, only vax, double vaxxed people can be uh, gathering together. Uh, some churches are going, well, we're going to open up on that basis. Others, we've made the decision that that's too hard for us uh, at the moment. And so we're going to wait just the extra couple of weeks until we get to that 80% level where we can open up. And there's been a special exemption given to places of worship uh, that, um, although for most people at the 80% level, still the double vaxxed can't gather in the same way, which is, is a topic of debate, I realize, but there's an exemption being given for churches uh, that they actually can gather at places of worship. And that's been hard fought and hard negotiated uh, with the health department here on that basis. So we've been working hard on that trying to, and just trying to help our guys get their head around things. So I've got lots of young men and women in their, in their, in their twenties, for example, at church going, what do I do about the vaccination? My parents don't want me to be vaxxed. A lot of them coming from cultures where they're living at home uh, with parents who take a, a, a great interest in their lives from those sorts of um, backgrounds. And what do I do? And I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that. And is it the mark of the beast and all this kind of stuff? And my big thing to them has been, do you know what? Everyone around you is losing your head. Uh, Christian hope is about hope for the future, about not losing your head, about being the people where others turn to you and go, hey, how come you're, you're keeping it together when I'm losing it? Uh, let's be those people. So whatever decision you make, and look, I think it's obvious on the on the stats now uh, that the vaccination is is relatively safe compared to the risk of getting COVID and getting a serious illness. So, but talk to your GP. I'm not a doctor. Talk to your GP. But above all, let's be the people who are not panicking, who are not losing it. So it's been that kind of stuff that we've been trying to do uh, um, over over this period, and just helping people wait it out so we can get back together again. The the precautions that have been taken. Mm were, I believe, at first justified. We didn't know, at least the stats that were, were told, we were told were going to be forthcoming from COVID were pretty terrifying, you know, 5% death rate. I think that, that was what was being touted at first. Um, and, and since then, in both the alpha and the delta, the death rate from this thing has been so small it's been tiny compared to what has been uh suggested that it, it does seem to me that and I, i've never been i've never been someone who has been you know fight the i've never, I've never i don't think this is a conspiracy at the sure. same time i i think that the reaction the response on the part of our our government in the United States has been, and in our in in particular in the state of New York has been over and above what it needed to be, um, given the risk that was actually there. Um, now I know I mean particular places in the, around the world have been hit particularly hard, like India. I think is 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 it is is you mentioned that as it's been a yeah. Uh, I think it's an an anomaly though. It, it's not what happened in India has not happened elsewhere no and, and that's a, and that's an outworking of their particular social structure and and, and, and right so I imagine, yeah. right right so 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 i mean when, when we see and maybe you can talk to this but when i when i see australian police officers rushing 
through parks and beating down people and throwing them on the ground and throwing and putting them in the back of a van and taking them home or taking them to, to, I don't know where they're taking them, but wherever. I mean, I'm assuming to some jail or something. I don't know. Um, and, and then when I hear like Australian officials, uh, politicians, I'm supposing, uh, saying things like, if you go outside, you're going to be arrested. If you, if you do, if you, if you take a walk in a park, I mean, that- Or you'll get your rights back when you that, get vaccinated. Yeah, to me, that just seems insane. Even, okay, I'm, I'm in the People's Republic of New York State. <laughs> and and even, even in the People's Republic of New York State, we were never told that we had to wear a mask outside. Right. We could so, always go outside wearing, we could always go out, we were never told not to go outside. Yeah, totally. We could always totally. go outside, we could always wear- you know, it was, just, it, it, just, it was never, there was never that level. And if I were outside and I were not wearing a mask and a police officer came and tackled me and threw me in a van, and yeah. so I, I would, I would believe that I was in Stalinist, you know, the Soviet Union or something. Sure. So, 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 so where does this come from? It, it, it does. That's not a good question. That's a great question. So without trying to defend it, and there's lots of it, I don't want to defend at all. And I think that's the interesting question as, as Christians, isn't it? We can, we can accept a lot more without defending it. I think, uh, um, let me try and explain how we've how we've got there um i think obviously hindsight's a great thing isn't it and we can look back and now and go we were we, we we clearly were wrong on some of the stats but then what stats did we have but i think what's really interesting to see is the absolute terror that people have at death in general in our western society now we're absolutely terrified of death we can't cope with it that's why also we want to euthanize people because we just the idea of suffering just freaks us out um, as well so there's an, there's an immaturity about pain and suffering uh, in our western culture i i don't think you can understate how much of a driver that is um people talk about cultural shifts in society and we are now living very clearly in a pain pleasure society We've not really understood, uh, like in terms of how we value things, we've not really understood that properly uh, to date because all we've really had is, is pleasure as a measure of, of how we measure things. But now actually we've been faced with, with the pain side of that, of that equation and we've, we've lost it uh, over it. So I think that's, that's, that's uh, obviously one of the drivers there as well. Having said that, um, I've been very close and, and at times been involved in some of the conversations with uh, although when I say involved and I don't want to overstate my involvement, but I've seen at close hand, that might be a better way to say it, some of the conversations going on with the government of New South Wales. And there is a there is a always was a genuine concern about the health service getting overwhelmed. Uh, and what you've got to remember is we've got um, a bigger public health service here than, than, than in the United States. So we have a, a Medicare system uh, that covers everybody. And then you can get your health insurance on top of that. But it's a it's a it's a more general system. So the, the private hospitals no nowhere near as many. Uh, so that that has really that has really focused uh, planning and 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 attention. And I and I and then there's just been this overabundance of caution. And, and the premiers have gone out and said we're taking the best health advice. And look, we've got pretty decent chief health officers. So please don't. It's not your Fauci situation. Uh, um, <laughs> these people have been getting up every day in front of the cameras, doing their press releases. Like the eleven o'clock press press um, conference in New South Wales just became a, a cultural thing here in New South Wales. I mean, people would be uh, laying bets on what jacket the premier would be wearing. For a while, we were sweepstaking the number of cases that there would be. Uh, the uh, the health officers, there's two of them, the chief and the deputy, they were this, um, this uh, reliably 
dull, boring part of the of of the um of the whole press conference. So it's they've been sensible, like you say. There's no conspiracies going on. They've been uh, uh, sort of sensibly thinking it through. So, but there's just been this real fear of death, uh, but also of the health system getting overwhelmed. How do they cope with that? Well, they said, look, especially in in Western Sydney and similar areas in in Melbourne, they said, look, we've got we've got a, we actually got a cultural problem here. And of course, they weren't able to say that. Uh, as fully as they wanted to, because they're suffering with all the political correctness issues that you guys uh, have um, as well. Thank you for that too. Um, <laughs> and um, and so they went, look, here's the problem. We just need to stop people mixing because every time someone goes to visit grandma every day, it spreads it. Uh, and also you've got some cultures which are less compliant than other cultures and so on. And so they went, look, the only way around this to stop this just is to is to do this hard hard lockdown to the point where when it really kicked off they went right um you've actually got to mask outdoors now i mean that's a bit crazy i mean i think a proximity rule would be helpful it's harder to enforce of course but let's not they're enforcing it anyway but they actually went you are not to leave your home unless you have a good reason now the problem is so you shake your head, uh, uh, here is you shake your head, and you get that. It sounds insane to you, but I and, and here's and here's where I want to go. Here's the interesting question for, for for us, and I don't like it. Don't get me wrong, I don't like it. I, I instinctively against me, it, it churns against it. But fundamentally, our response to that tells us a lot about our political assumptions and how we think society ought to work and actually who we think the individual is uh, uh, and, and, and so on. Really interesting, in my wife's from Singapore, uh, Singapore's had some uh, pretty hard lockdowns as well uh, and culturally far more accepting of it. Uh, just as human as we are, just as made in the image of God as we are, but a different philosophical outlook on the way that society works and politics works and, and far more accepting of it. And one of the things I, I want us to reflect upon is that some of our pushback against it is, is not, it's not a fundamental human thing. It's actually a political philosophical thing about what we consider to be the basic axioms of who we are and, 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 and how we function. I don't like wearing my mask outdoors. As things are relaxing now, I actually don't wear my mask when I go out walking. I take one with me. If I if someone comes the other way on the footpath, I'm going to put it on straight away. I don't want them to feel in any way uncomfortable. I I don't see any evidence that COVID spreads out, out outdoors. But look, it doesn't harm me just to wipe my mask on and then take it off again. It really, really doesn't harm me at all. As a Christian, and we'll talk about that in a moment, I hope, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing to be doing. Uh, and then when we kick the football around with my son and I and maybe his friend in the park where we're allowed to meet, uh, off comes the mask um, and so on. If I'm in an indoor situation, the mask is going to be on. Um, one, because I think that's sensible. Secondly, uh, because that's what the government's asked me to do. And so I'll suck it up. There's no great imposition upon me. Uh, and now Matt's going to tell me that I'm a, I'm a blithering um, left. Oh, you're leader. obviously a pico-communist. But <laughs> First, but we I... want to <laughs> clarify for all of our listeners that you're playing soccer with your son. <laughs> yes. Well, well, we're bizarre, right? Because we have a ball that we kick around with our feet and we call it football. I mean, crazy that we are. It's crazy. Yeah. I think, okay, so I think that we do have a fundamental theological, possibly philosophical uh, yeah. difference here. Yeah. And that is because we both we both agree that the human person is fallen and and wicked, um, and the, the the heart of the flesh is hostile to God. And so, from my perspective, 
since that's true, the very last thing that I want is for power to be to be centralized in the hands of a very few, right? Absolutely. So, so that that seems to be what's happening, right? That seems to be what's what's what <clears throat> the our our betters are now telling us what is right based on the flimsiest of I I'm, I'm, I'm again I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but yeah, but you can go outside of your house without a mask and be even within six feet of one another and not catch COVID. That, that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a, a conspiracy theorist idea, yeah. but, but we, but what's happening seems to me is that because politicians and people in power are wicked, like we all are, they are capitalizing on a situation I don't think the disease is a fake. I think it's a real thing, but they're capitalizing on it um, to centralize power. And and I don't think that ends well for anybody. Uh, and I definitely think they're using right. moral language to do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and then we have the evangelical, um, you know, facilitators say, love your neighbor. Yeah, you know, if you don't if you don't wear your mask outside in the park, thirty feet away from your your, your brother, so you're not loving your neighbor. No, I'm sorry, that that's a lie. That's not true. So true. I I think it's I think it's I think it's realistic for Christians to say uh, we're not people of the lie. We're not we're we're not people who are who are going to to uh, submit uh, ultimately our faith and our, our, our trust in Christ. Um, we're going to, we're going to continue to live as, as, as children of the King, regardless of where we live. Obedience to our, our rulers is something that's commanded in the scriptures, Romans 13. And yet think about where we live. I mean, in the United States, our ruler is the constitution. It's not president Biden. It's not, it's not Dr. Fauci, our, 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 our actual ruler in our in a, demo, in a republic is the Constitution. It's the rule of law. Even if your president so, himself doesn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so there's so there's room here where we can say, OK, as a Christian, is my human elected president following the ruler that our that God has established over us, which is the Constitution? Yeah. And we can, my people are free to say, okay, well, I don't think he's doing that. Um, so I don't know. I, okay. So then I think the, the fascinating question to talk about is well, then how do two guys, you and I, who I think are pretty similarly conservative in, in viewpoint, how do we end up being more or less comfortable with the same thing? Uh, how, how have we got there? So just a couple of observations again, without trying to defend either position. Uh, one, um, Western European liberal democracies have a very different relationship um, uh, to, to their government than, than America does by the very nature of America's founding. I mean, it was it was... It was the classic exemplar of a mature response to to tyrann tyrannical authority. So, so everything you've said is a classically United States 
uh, response on the questions of freedoms. Absolutely, uh, more power to you. If I could live in one place in the world politically, I think I'd, I'd, that's where I'd want to be. But I, I come from a different place. I come from a place that's far more interested, uh, sorry, it has a far different relationship to authority. We just, we instinctively see the role of government uh, in, in, in a different way. We see it in, in a bigger way, essentially, to use the language of the debate uh, than, than conservatives uh, of our ilk will do in, in the United States. That's, that's just taken as given. So that just shapes the way then that, that we respond. Is one better than the other? Could be, uh, quite probably you'd say, but that just uh, shapes shapes um, how, how it is. A couple of other things as well. I think my observation looking at um, American politics is that um, you guys are far more suspicious of your authority figures because my gut is you have been lied to every day uh, not just on this, but on pretty much everything uh, by your authority figures uh, to a much, much greater extent than we experience here. Uh, America has got so polarized and so masked in its, in its dissemination of information uh, that there is, you say you're not a conspiracy theorist, and, and I, I believe you, you're not, I know you well, Matt, but there is a, an ingrained suspicion of authority uh, uh, that has, I think is de- I've watched develop in the United States in the last 20 years that I think then flavors the way uh, that you guys respond to anything that you're told, uh, and I don't. And don't get me wrong, I don't blame you on that. So you know, I, I, I hear, hear the critiques of Fauci and others, and I go, yeah, I get that. I get totally why you just don't buy it. You just go, well, that's today. What will they tell me tomorrow? So, so I get that. So whatever you're hearing from them, you go, you know, not in a weird conspiracy way, but you just go, I, how can I? How can I even believe that? Um, what's interesting, and, and I agree with you on the on the gathering of power. Of course, conservatism. Um, naturally has two, it, it grapples with two um, competing things. It, 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 it naturally wants to not have power um, accumulated. It also is more than the left. It also is um, more naturally suspicious of human nature in the individual, in the citizen as well. And so it also recognizes the need from time to time for, for constraint. Of course, one of our complaints against our, our leftists is that they, they, they don't understand the corrupt nature of, 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 of individuals as well. So we've got a situation here where our conservatism is almost, I would say, is fighting against itself. Uh, one of the problems we had when Delta ran rampant uh, relatively here in Australia is that people just weren't making sensible decisions. They were making dumb decisions. And, and what do you do? And I think there is a conservative element that goes, we actually need to understand that you can't just appeal to people's better nature. Uh, something else needs to happen from time to time. Uh, and so, um, so that kicked in. The question of power is really interesting. Uh, so the accumulation of power, absolutely, power corrupts. Uh, it totally does. And I think what you're seeing, especially in Victoria under a leftist government there, is, is a natural leftist accumulation of power. That is without a doubt. But Victoria it, is the where we're seeing the video. Melbourne, yeah, it's where you're seeing. Uh, okay. Not to say that the protests have all been entirely fluffy and, you know, people carrying pink unicorns around. Not actually. One of the reasons the police... Um, a lot of police have felt themselves in a difficult situation is that there's been some very aggressive uh, um, protesting. That's not to say also there's been some police who have been who have said, I just cannot do the things they're asking me to do. And, and I'm with you on that. Like um, you just send someone home. Right. If, if they're out in the park and that's the law, you, you just just say, go home. Come on, mate. Let's not make this hard. Just go home. Now, of course, if someone goes, no, oh, I've got my rights. And I, uh, there comes a point where they're going to end up in the back of the paddy wagon, right? But you and I, 
we, we've worked with these guys. We, we know where, where, where the balance is. What's interesting for me, and I had this conversation with a number of conservatives, uh, especially from the United States, my good friend, Dr. James White, for example, got, oh, you know, it's the, it's the accretion of power. I said, yes, possibly, but what you want to watch in similar uh, Western liberal democracies is how quickly they sought to then dissipate that accumulation as well. So the United Kingdom is a really interesting example, isn't it, of, of, of a, a soft center-right government that, uh, yes, certainly accumulated a lot of power very, very quickly, but sought under its under its fundamental principles as well, sought to then uh, evaporate much of that uh, when they were able to. And th that is the certainly the trajectory that you feel here in New South Wales. Uh, um, no matter what the spin is you're hearing from some, there's a clear push towards just opening that up. Um, and we can debate about whether they have a right to give us our freedom or not. And, you know, we can talk about the semantics if you want, but they clearly are uh, moving that way. Uh, and indeed, with our new premier who's just been announced, uh, indeed, while we've been meeting, uh, um, he, he certainly is, is an ex will accelerate that push uh, uh, to, to, to give it away. But what really I think it comes down to for me is this and, and where really I've had a lot I want to be thinking through is as Christians, even if we say no to many of these things and we're going to say no to some of the same things, guys, and on a couple of other things, I'm going to go, eh, okay, and you're going to go, no, hell no. My question is not so much whether we say no, although probably on some things we need to, but how do we say it? And I think one of the most difficult things that we've been grappling with here in Australia, and I'm sure you have in America as well, is how you say no. What's the manner of that conversation? Uh, um, how does the Christian present themselves to the outsider in, in, in what they're doing? Uh, it's all very, very difficult. So you may have heard of this thing called the Ezekiel Declaration that was uh, um, that was written here uh, in, in Australia and got a bit of uh, interest uh, in the United States as, as well. It came out of a, a website called Cauldron Pool, which is a, a very right-leaning, uh, very right politically, uh, as well as conservatively Christian um, website. It's a, a little bit of one of those um, heresy hunting guys, but um, most of what you see there is political conservatism. Uh, as well as uh, gospel stuff. Oh, it's kind of all just washed in together. And the Ezekiel Declaration uh, came out of that milieu. It came out of a quite um, uh, anti-government, but militantly and aggressively anti-government uh, um, pool. And it was actually originally authored, ironically, by three uh, Queensland. Now, Queensland's in the north. It's Brisbane and beyond in the north. Three Queensland Baptist pastors who, you know, um, ostensibly the declaration was all about uh, how we don't want vaccine mandates, but it became a real mishmash of different things. All, all, it was a bit of a dog's breakfast of a declaration, uh, quite frankly. And I was one of those guys who wrote a public disagreement with it. And my disagreement wasn't on some of the matters of principle, but all the other stuff that was mixed in and how it was, and it, this was not the way, the way forward. What was interesting about these guys is, one, they're Queensland Baptists. Of all the states, apart from Western Australia, Queensland's really not had it hard. So that they would be the guys going, oh, it, it's, this is intolerable. It's a bit like, um, what's the best equivalent for Queensland for you guys? They're Texans. And now maybe it all makes sense, right? Uh, um, oh, I can't stand this. This is, this is terrible. Um, so that went on. But then what was really interesting is they phrased it in the language of the watchman of Ezekiel, which is a gospel warning, a clarion call, a gospel warning for the church. And all of a sudden, those of us who are gospel ministers who said, well, look, actually, we think there might be a different approach to this. 
we were being told we're unfaithful ministers. We, we brought shame to our ministry, uh, you know, all, all, all this kind of stuff. Uh, whereas the reality is that was never going to work. That was um, that was preaching to the choir. Uh, what has consistently worked and gained um, gained a, an ear with the health department here is Christian leaders going to the health department and saying, um, look, you don't understand us properly. Uh, this is an important thing. We need to talk to you about this and, and winning those conversations. And I had my own personal experience of that. So when they, I said to you previously that the LGAs, the local government areas were locked down individually. Yeah. And um, we had a situation for two or three weeks where it was on the face of it, illegal for me to leave my LGA to go to the LGA where the cathedral is to, to film the, um, to film the live stream or to, or to pre-record just because we weren't included in, in authorized workers. Now I could go to do end of life care. I could go to do an essential pastoral visit uh, um, and do a funeral, but just that, that week by week stuff. And not essential, um, right? <laughs> well, exactly. And so, and so, and look again, don't ascribe to malice. What is in, in incompetence, the original, health orders in the original lockdowns were about churches were written by people who you think they probably went to one Roman Catholic wedding once in the last decade. And that was their understanding of how church functions, right? So no, no clue at all. Anyway, so I went to my local MP who's a Labour guy, uh, left wing. And I also went to the local MP at, um, at Parramatta, who is a minister in the government and he's right wing. He's, he's, he's a liberal. And I went to both of them with the same appeal. And it was this. I've been chatting to my colleagues, not just Anglican, but Presbyterians and others. This is an impossible burden for us. And we, you will find that there are ministers of the gospel who have been seeking wherever possible to submit to authority and to do this well and to model that and call their congregations to that as well you will find them in good conscience breaking the health order because we find there's nothing else that we can do um and that wasn't as much as an issue for me because i'm part of a big ministry team and so we probably could have got around it um although i was keen obviously to be involved and to shepherd my people um every week but there were guys doing doing it doing the hard yards on their own which i know you guys are familiar with where they were getting caught by that and that kind of Building your relationship with your local MP, both in government and in opposition, uh, talking to them, making it clear to them, having them know you and so that you've built trust. We actually got a change in the health order. And I can show you the letter that I wrote that led to the change in the health order. Now, that's a, that is it seems to me that is a far more effective way of of handling these things um and we've ended up in the point where when the when the relaxation rules were announced we got as places of worship we got special exemption at the 80 percent vaccination level uh, that we can have non-vaccinated in now the the authors of these equal declaration i don't want to badmouth them but they wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago where they went ah vindication of the of the ezekiel declaration the reality is the relaxation didn't come out because of them making this noise the realization came about because of careful work by diocesan and other leaders talking to the health department, explaining the situation, making the appeals, um, calling in the favors at times, uh, and going, this is, this is, this is, this is where we're at. But you'd think to listen to some of these guys, you'd think that we had sold out on the gospel simply because we think there's another way to skin the cat. Uh, and I don't want to uh, put down the, the complexity of some of, this, of some of the discussions. And, you know, if, if you think in good conscience, you want to open up and you want to deal with that, by all means, let's have that chat. But there's more than one way to, to deal with this. And what, what really distressed me was seeing far more politics 
with a gospel veneer than actually hard thinking about um, what the gospel actually actually says. And I've come to this, and this is probably the nub of my issue. I've come to this point where I am perplexed. Here's my here's my theme statement, which I think we can bash around a bit. The New Testament church, as it got going, clearly faced far worse situations than we than we have gone through even in the last in the last two years in our comfortable Western uh, life. Clearly faced far worse uh, pressures upon them, um, and at no point does any New Testament author, by the power of the Spirit of Christ, say, "Don't tread on me. Stick it to the man. Stand up for your rights." And, and that is about as much as tone as content, which I know I'd say point just to aggravate Matt. Uh, but 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 it is it is a tone issue as well, right? At this point, um, and you just don't see that. It seems to me in either the New Testament or in the early centuries of the church as they grapple with these things. So so while there are other legitimate ways forward, let's not be denouncing as false shepherds those who take a different view. I don't know what you guys think about that. Does that make sense? Well, as, as, yeah, as a I mean, of course, David, you, you, I would never think you as a false shepherd. You, 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 <laughs> well, now, that's like off the table. So take set right. that yeah. aside. Everything I'm going to say right now has nothing to do with whether or not you're sure, sure. I, I, you're you're of course uh, a good pastor and and. Teacher but my point and, simply and, uh, is, yeah, yeah. there's right, but, my point but, simply is there's the there's the irony, right? That that guys like me end up getting branded that way, right? Um, so something's gone wrong somewhere, right? In the church's own conversation, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, in my own congregation, we had we had fights between people who were on, on one side or the other, and it got yep. to be not happy, uh, not nice. So I, 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 I did hear that. Um, I, I guess uh, you know the the question, you, you, the, the the nub of the issue, as you as you described it. We, it's it's not really. I don't know whether we, we can we can transfer this category to the you know, first century. Like, so what what if Nero had said, okay, uh, this new fledgling movement of people who are calling this crucified Jew Lord and Savior, uh, you guys can't meet anymore because it's a threat to you know public safety and health. Um, what would Paul say? I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that Paul would say, oh, okay, yes, let's, let's not gather together. Let's not assemble together because Nero has said that this thing, this, this sickness that's killing, you know, one out of 1,000 people or one out of, I'm sorry, 10,000 people is, is so dangerous that we can't meet together. I don't know, given, I don't know that Paul would say, yeah, let's submit, let's submit to that. I mean, sure. well, it, was, say, it was illegal to gather and they were commanded to gather. Well, it was it was it was a you know, Jew, Christianity in the first century was considered at first a Jewish you know, part of just a, a Jewish sect. So uh, and, and Jews, the uh, Judaism was recognized as a Roman okay. as, a, as a licensed Roman religion. Um, and it was only when when Jews started saying, no, they're not us. Right. Um, that that that. The Romans are paying attention and saying, "Oh, wait a minute! These are not these are not the same thing as the Jews are." And they're saying they're taking imperial titles and applying them to a crucified Jew. And and we're the atheists. And, uh, I mean, by the time of Polycarp, we're the atheists. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, so 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 so. The, and then there was, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I mean, there was ultimately an order not to to con congregate as Christians. You're right. I mean, in that sense, Nick. Yeah, um, there was a point in which the the, the Roman um, 
the Roman government did say that Christians should not meet because they yeah. shouldn't be Christians at be all. Christians at all, right? Uh, <laughs> so, so there's there's this there is a uh, I, I don't know that I would say that I don't know that I would say that uh, Paul's uh, willingness to be respectful to and submit to Nero, as we should all be respectful toward our elected leaders. Um, would would necessarily mean that as, as a that this isn't a gospel issue. I mean, I think it could be a gospel issue if our if our leaders are using this illness to to smash the church, and I, and I'm I mean, I mean consciously if 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 the serpent is using this as a means to crush the church, then I think I think through the hearts and minds of those under his thrall, then. I, the, I think the church has a has a right and a not a right's a bad word. I mean, it's a, has a has a responsibility uh, to consider that and to act accordingly. So look, I, I I actually agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. My question is: Is that actually the situation that we're in? So it's not that Nero has said to the church, "You can't meet because you're a danger." Nero said to the whole of Rome, "Rome can't meet together in any way because it's a danger." So has Nero done that to squash the church or has Nero done that just because uh, they, they, they've lost their head and they can't make sense of this, of this plague that's running through? See, but a squash in the church my, is the result. Isn't that the same thing? I mean, we're no, not at all. Because actually, um, intent. I think intent is a really interesting thing, uh, and and we've been we've been we've been squashed with everybody else, which again makes me go. Then it's a political issue. Although, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to go. It's therefore not at all a gospel issue. So I, I, I understand the, but we do want to meet together. You know, we're urged not to not to stop meeting together. Hebrews ten. Although I think that's more a lot to the individual to say. Listen, everyone else is in church. Why are you not in church? Uh, um, it's more that than anything else, isn't it? Although it speaks to the goodness of meeting together, and none of us deny the goodness of of that meeting together, and we're really keen, we're really keen for it. But but I I think it's um uh. We, we need to be really careful about motive and why people are doing the things that they're doing. Are there some people who are be quite happy to see the church squashed? Absolutely. Is this an anti-church lockdown? Um, I think I'd say no. Having said that, and again, this is my issue, right? Um, some of the response looks far more like a Trump rally than a church synod. And that's my issue, right? That's my issue, that the, the politics has and and ironically for me the politics that i more naturally lean towards so please hear me right when i say this but nevertheless political outlooks and also this there's an imported polarization from the united states that's been brought in here to australia um that has flavored so much of the conversation where i wonder if we're able just to tease that apart and go yes those are big and important issues and, you know, have your debates about Trump and all the politics that that's gone over and, and power and where it is and so on. But can we can we have a gospel conversation about what a gospel response looks like? That's are we able to tease that out of the politics um, or not? Because I think that would be very, very um, helpful. This is not the only issue on which, you know, churches divide. Um, our church at, at St. John's has a big Chinese Mandarin and Cantonese Chinese population meeting in their own language groups. They have faced real issues in the last two or three years over the situation in Hong Kong and mainland China. 
Uh, and it's been very similar in terms of the, the grief that it's brought within the congregation. And the pastor there has worked very hard to go. We've got to recognize what's gospel and what's politics. Uh, I wonder if that's kind of just flavored the way that I think about these things um, as well. Does that make sense, that, that kind of thing yeah, that no, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I don't think, okay, I, let me clarify what I mean. I did, I did yeah. not mean that every you know politician who who says that you know no one should meet together is a- actually trying sure. to kill the church i don't i don't think that at all i, I think they're most most of them are they're just listening to what they're hearing from medical professionals and saying hey this is what we should do yeah um and 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 so that's not my issue but, but i but i but i do think that underneath that and beyond that and uh at work within that is is someone who does want to crush the church you know yes we're 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 not we're not in a we're not in a neutral situation we are in a situation in which satan would love to crush the church sure and so and so and so he's going to use those who are not believers and those who are believers and he's going to use sicknesses he's going to use whatever he can use to destroy us but my gut is and and he's using the dissension He's using the dissension more than anything else, the, the internal dissent at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've, again, I said I've had, I've had that conflict in my own church. I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, people, I, I hate that. I hate that people who, two people who believe in Jesus and who are brothers and sisters in Christ, bound at, at the most deepest level possible by the in their souls by the whole by the Holy Spirit can look at one another and and despise one another because of their position on COVID. I mean, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's fundamentally wrong. <laughs> and, it, and it, and it makes me angry. Oh man. That, that, oh man. That, should, that, should, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I, I totally agree with you on that. At the same time, I think, I think that the vigilance on the part of the church and especially in the part of the church uh, of, of church leaders is is required and necessary, especially when it comes to meeting together. I mean, my my goodness, it's been a year and a half where where people have been separated from one another who who are bound at their souls. That's going to have some. That's going to have some ramifications spiritually and in every other way. I mean, you've, I'm sure as you you're a pastor, I'm sure you've you've noticed this in your own congregation. Oh, totally, totally. That, that yeah. it's, it's had it has had dram- terrible terrible consequences um so I, I i again i don't i don't i i'm 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 not saying that the the, the leftists and the marxists and the and the and the the, the, the pinko communists are, are out to get the church necessarily in this but i am th- i do think that i do think that satan's out to get the church the church in this and and so and so we need to be careful to notice what he's doing and sure I, I i i do think he loves this. I think he loves the church oh. not meeting. I think he loves oh, the, 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 the strife and the conflict that this has created. And I think that as soon as the church can get meeting together again, uh, the better. I mean, our church is meeting together. I'm not sure. I mean, your, yours probably isn't. But I mean, around the world, he's 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 rejoicing in the in the division this has caused and in the lack of unity within congregations that it's produced 
in the meantime, then let me ask, um, because w- w- let's try and reach some furious agreement uh, at the end. In the meantime, uh, like, h- how do you guys then view view the call for submission to authority? Like, like, wh- how do you think the boundaries of that work and its 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 ramifications? Given that we we operate in different political um, situations, not just between us in Australia and you in the US, but of, of even between the different states that you're in. I mean, you're in Kentucky, right? Uh, uh, Nick yeah. and 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 so um you know there's these different situations uh how does how does that work out i've always been a believer that submission you really don't understand submission till it hurts so actually it's what you don't want submission is really easy when it's what you want to do uh the the sub, submission however it really kicks in doesn't it when it it feels like it's dangerous it feels like i'm being abused it feels like you know, not not that we say yes to abuse, but that's that's the irony of submission, right? And and the model of that, of course, is Jesus at the cross. Most most often, I remember when I was training for ministry back in London many years ago. Now, uh, one of the guys training me said, "If you don't understand submission, you don't understand the Christian life." Uh, so again, uh, again, so my rhetorical question, but please give an answer. Um, is I sense that some of what's going on is 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 a is a lack of willingness to submit. That, that that flows from some of our political assumptions. Uh, um, so maybe you know, well, I, Anglicans I, submit, don't they? I would I would I would agree. Um, even though you're uh, uh, you know probably submissive to the Queen, who we love, but um, who is no longer our monarch. It's not enough. Something right? that happened back in 1770. <laughs> something I heard like about that. that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but um, I will say. Uh, Yes, Americans have Americans have imbibed a spirit of uh, revolution. I think that that is that is contrary to the gospel. I think in my own congregation, and I probably Nick could probably say the same uh, that that plays havoc in our attempts to be um, to be to lead and to, to pastor our people. That that there are people who are uh, just so anti-authority, they can't deal with any authority, their parents, their pastor, their whoever, right? So that, 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 that's there within American society, and we can't deny that, and we should repent of that, uh, because it's a sin. It's sinful. Um, absolutely. Uh, I would say there's a difference, there is a difference, though, like where we locate authority, like uh, as, as an American, I locate this the central authority for our nation uh, in the constitution a little bit like it's maybe a bad analogy but maybe it might work um as a christian i now i i, I recognize the supreme authority with regard to law and commands as the scriptures right so if my, if my pastor or my bishop says something that's contrary to the scriptures i, I that's that's I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not going to obey him because the scriptures rule what I say. So in that sense, the Constitution operates in some in a, in a, in a sim, somewhat similar way in America. That, 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 since that's the case, uh, a president or a senator or a governor or even a Congress that that, that, that that passes something contrary to the Constitution is it doesn't have any authority because we're because we're under the Constitution. Does that, does that make sense? It does, and I, and I and I wonder if if what I'm hearing you therefore say is that 
Therefore, there will be a difference between the way that Christians in the United States and Christians in Australia work out what that submission to authority looks like, because the framework that you have in the United States uh, will gently bend you in, in, a, in, a, in, in a different direction because of those fundamental principles that are outlined in, in the Constitution. And so within the capacity that we're all Christians trying to sit under the scriptures, the Constitution in the United States gives you a particular flavor of how that's going to work its way out uh, in, in, in the United States. But I'm sitting here in Australia with a very different constitution. Uh, um, and so might we, might we therefore say that, that you and I allied to the same Lord Jesus Christ who rules us through his scriptures then goes, well, on the ground, given the political landscape that I'm working in, that submission to authority and the time when I say no to it might look different as well. Is, is, is that what we're saying? I'm sorry. Yes. And I, I think I, so. That's I, I fascinating. I, I never thought of it like that. I, it just occurred to me right now, but I think that's part of it, uh, which is also my complaint, right? Because I've got right wing conservatives here within the church bringing American ideals into Australia. And while I agree, I agree with those ideas, I agree with them. I go, yes, that's a better way to do things. That's not our political framework. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about, uh, Australian um, constitutional uh, theory yeah. to argue with you. Yeah. But I, but, oh, I mean, I, I do, I, but I do, but just, can you understand the visceral reaction totally. of, the, totally. of the, of the, the, the police officers tackling. Oh, here as well. Here as well. I mean, I mean can you see that? Absolutely. Okay. And here as well. Uh, but what's really interesting is loads of people as well. And they're not, they're not, again, they're not left-leaning pinky commies going, mate, just stay at home. Which is really interesting, right? Because I think on reflection, they'd be going, really? Is that my response? So there's a very working class conservatism here that goes, mate, just stay at home. Let's get this over and done with. Which is really interesting, right? Because it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating. It's we're Which, it just yeah, that would not be there. That's not the working class. No, but here's yeah. the thing: we're a different country, and you and we just and I think what's done such damage, but also brought confusion, I think, to the church here is the the importation and simply the assumption of of American political ideals and structures into 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 Australian and you know more broadly Western European sort of uh, political. Um, uh, uh, frameworks, and we could argue the rights of those. And again, there I'm is a, with you guys, but I think that's what's mean. going on, right? And then, as a church, our lesson is to discern what actually is and isn't gospel, uh, and then to go, well, this is a political conversation, and it's an important one, but it's not the gospel. Uh, and so, uh, we just need to just finally tease tease that out. Okay, well, I, I, again, I, it's not gospel but there's some gospel things connected to it like again gathering for worship um you know where so 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 again i mean i i again i, I don't want to i don't know australian you know, the, the, i guess the best solution for this i mean we only have 50 states the best solution for this is for australia to submit itself to our our constitution <laughs> and become it's funny become, become had, the 51st state of i had a very states. similar suggestion for america just slightly differently put around i thought texas was seceding anyway so it's not a problem oh boy. where can we agree where can we agree gents 
because uh, we're we're gospel minister, ministers together, that doesn't change. Uh, um, we would gladly share each other's pulpits. I, I'm I'm guessing and and uh, entrust each other's people to each other as as under the Lord Jesus Christ. So where where can we agree and where's the boundaries and what's the um what's the warning for all of us, no matter what political jurisdiction or or, or situation that we live in? I mean, I've, I guess for Americans, I would say the warning would be you know you don't don't let re- rebellion characterize your soul. And and that and that and that is something that comes from the garden, the first one, the one Eden, um, and and it and it is definitely something that we need to be, be wary of. And uh, if you if immediately response to a leader saying "Don't do this" is "I'm going to do it," then 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 check yourself because probably you're going to wreck yourself. You've got, you've got, you've got yourself. You, you have, you've already set yourself. Uh, the rulers are set in place by God for your good. Um, so in general, that should be our, our, our stance. Um, our stance should be to assume that they mean well and that they're, they're God's, they're God's, they're God's uh, instruments for our good. And so therefore we should, we should in general submit to them at the same time, of course, yeah, keeping, keeping watch over the scriptures, but be very careful because, because of our American tendency to read every, every command as an act of tyranny, which it's not. So, so uh, (laughs) self-examination Uh, and, and care to uphold um, the, the real law of God and not and not our own law. And that self-examination, of course, reveals that rebellion is the fundamental posture of our hearts. <laughs> and so the Christian life is one of continual repentance and coming to the table once again, reaffirming our faith in the creed and just saying, again, please, Lord, destroy the me that I feel rising up in me and raise me to new life in you. And to tell me again that Jesus Christ is sufficient for me. Yeah. Can I just add one thing then? I hope yeah. we'll get wholehearted agreement as well. Um, it seems to me it's probably worth us remembering that when Paul wrote Romans 13, more than likely Nero or someone like him was on the throne, which is a fascinating thing to think through. Uh, um, so that's the first thing. Uh, uh, and then uh, secondly, I've had the good fortune of living on a number of different continents, uh, four of them uh, at, current, at current count. And what you realize doing that is that what you took as axiomatic for the way that people are and, and what's just the normal way to do things isn't. It's just a cultural expression of deeply held and very different philosophical um, assumptions about how, how the world works. Let's not confuse that for for what actually should be they're different expressions in a in a sinful world uh are never going to be per- perfect um i'm a i'm a british citizen uh proudly i encourage everyone uh, listening uh to submit the knee again as they should do to the true monarch <laughs> under the monarch um but uh i'll you be know editing what? that um, out don't worry my papers my papers are in for australian citizenship uh which i'm i'm gladly uh looking forward to but i just need to remember don't i there is another country i've heard of long ago uh, my citizenship is is in heaven and uh jesus stands in front of Pilate and says my kingdom is not of this world uh and so perhaps from time to time i need to just to, again check myself that um that the fights I'm fighting are are, are, are gospel fights uh, are not are not something else uh, and even if that takes me to the cross 
uh, is that probably sorry? I ended up preaching. Sorry, I, I, I we up, always end up preaching. That's what we do. That's good. That's what yeah. they pay Amen. us for. Amen. <laughs> well, that's going to be all the time that we allow for ourselves tonight. It's been a long and wandering and really good, fascinating conversation. I think. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, please be in touch with us. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com, or you can join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thank you to Matt Kennedy and especially to David Old. I'm Nick Lannon and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm. Mm-hmm.